You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm a change agent, former executive director and best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect, a book about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. You're going to learn quite a bit more about that from our guest today, who we're going to be joined by Zena Livingston. Let me tell you a little bit about Zena. Zena is from Long Island, Long Island, New York. She describes herself as a wife, mother, and grandmother, but that's just the tip of the proverbial iceberg. She's also a seasoned author whose new book entitled, Now You Have It, centers around a woman, Donna, whose main focus is on acquiring financial security and social position. I want to pause there for a minute. I want you to think about people in your life, maybe even yourself, who might relate to Donna. So Donna starts out as a teenage single mother who meets her guardian angel, Craig. Her life's journey takes her from a basement apartment in Freeport to a home in Brookville, an upscale community, and finally back to Freeport. And along the way, Donna encounters challenges, relationship, financial challenges, health issues, and with her children. Throughout it all, Craig is there to bail her out while never giving her what she truly wants, rather what she needs to discover. Okay, I'm already sucked right into this whole thing. So in this episode, you'll hear how breast cancer influenced Zena in writing the book, how she came to write the book, where her life experiences and Donna's align, and where the character Craig came from, and so much more. So now let's welcome our guest, Zena Livingston. Hi, Zena. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I enjoy speaking with you. Great. Well, before we get into learning more about you and especially about Donna, the audience and I want to know, is there a non-negotiable ritual or habit that you do daily that keeps you heading towards your big dream or vision? I think I wake up in the morning and I'm very grateful that a new day has begun and I just let the day unfold itself. It's always been my way of working. I, I run a very busy office in addition to being a writer. And so I have to know how to split my time. And I'm just grateful I have the strength to do it. Beautiful. Well, I think just knowing how to split your time is something many of us 
you know, I've struggled with. So that's being able to do that and accomplish all that you've done is requires that kind of focus. I want to ask you something though, because you previously, you have previously written two books, The Money God and The Psychotic Skank, which I have to say, I really like the alliteration there, by the way. <laughs> um, but where did you get the idea for Now You Have It, your newest book? I'm a people watcher. And I have been a observer of people throughout my life. I, I am 77 years old, and I've always worked in a very busy office where a lot of people come and go each day. And Donna is a compilation of many people whom I've observed and who I think need something more than what they're, what they're aiming at. And I'm hoping by writing this book, other people will recognize themselves and maybe find some different purpose for themselves. So you mentioned that, you know, Donna's actually based on real people that you've observed, but she's also a character in your book. So can you introduce us more fully to Donna before we talk about her journey a bit? Donna was a, is a girl who grew up in Freeport, which is a middle class, lower middle class community here on Long Island. And she was a very loose teenager who used sex to get what she wanted, or which was friendship. And she thought that was the way to really get what she wanted. Unfortunately, she became pregnant, and the young man who was the father abandons her. And she's left to raise this baby by herself. And it is at that point that she decides that no matter what happens in life, she was going to achieve both financial and social success because she wanted to rub the boy's father, rub his nose in the dirt, so to speak, to show that she could make it without him. So that was her motivation then? Absolutely. Donna wanted to get revenge in her own way against Rob, who's the boy's father, and to show him up. I I think in the book, she achieved her goal, interestingly. Although that what it doesn't sound like that was your, what you set out, you mean through her own challenges and obstacles, she ultimately achieved that goal? I think so, yes. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. It's an interesting process. It's an interesting process by which I write because I don't use an outline. So my characters develop as they proceed along the path of the novel. When you started writing Dawn at the beginning of the book, how much did she change along the way? Or did you have a pretty solid thought about who she was at the moment you introduced her to the readers? When I first introduced Donna to the readers, I did not like her. I do not like the person uh, about whom she's modeled. And I really wanted to portray her as an avaricious, greedy, undesirable character. And I think I did that in the beginning, but I'm not sure that's the way the book ends. (laughs) So, So did you come to respect her differently after you put her through all these challenges and obstacles? I think I felt sorry for her. Oh, interesting. So I'm really curious about Craig. Can you 
talk a bit about Craig? Craig was a real character, and he he was someone that actually was very instrumental in the model's life uh, about whom Donna is patterned. It's, he's an interesting person, and he comes over as an interesting person in the book in that he really did a lot of things to help her without wanting any type of true rewards. He was not interested in developing a sexual relationship with Donna, which is something she really wants. But he wanted to help her out of, initially out of goodness of his heart, and then because she was successful in doing what he wanted, he continued to want to help her. So do you see parallels when you think about the people you've observed that when when someone takes initiative, so Donna in in that case where he offers her help and she's having success with it, that that momentum happens and the person who is actually helping without any necessary desire for something in return is motivated just to dig in deeper and be along the path? Am I understanding kind of Craig's motivations a bit? That you are. And I, I think that he could be a very interesting main character in another book. But he is not the main character in Now You Have It. So he kind of plays a secondary role in the novel. And I think that, you know, his, his, he comes across as someone who's benevolent, but there's not much meat to his character past those attributes. Okay. Is she aware of him? Oh, very like, much in so. That, in that way? Okay. Oh, very much so. She really, she not only is aware of him, but she relies on him. Oh, I just, the questions I want to ask you, are going to give away the book. So I'm not, I can't ask them because I know it's like, <laughs> you explain it to me, it's going to take it down the wrong direction. Because I'm curious about Donna and Craig and how, you know, like she even connects with him. So can you at least tell us where they first meet? They meet in the supermarket in Freeport, where Donna is pregnant and working as a cashier. And he feels sorry for her, but he is impressed by her people management and the way she interacts with the other customers in the supermarket. Interesting, since she said she wasn't a very nice person when the book starts. So to have caught his attention is interesting in and of itself. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you think about this, you talked about there being some similarities between your life and Donna's journey. Can you share some of those? Well, not really. My life was very different. I mean, I I was married at the age of 18 to the most wonderful man. And we've had almost, will be 58 years of marriage this June. I've always worked as, I've been his practice administrator since 1964. And we've always worked together I'm not a person who is greedy. I'm not a person who really craves social acceptance. I'm very content with my family, and I'm very blessed to have a wonderful husband and a wonderful son and two fantastic grandchildren. So I'm not Donna. Yeah, you're not Donna, but you can appreciate the distinction. Absolutely. I feel very fortunate because my life could have turned out very differently. And it may be the source of my next novel, which I have started because I, I was a child of an abusive mother 
And I um, was on my own from the time I was 12 years old. So I had a very different type of life in that I was able to achieve some normality, mainly because I met Leon. And he has been a tremendous influence in my life. Well, I would say as someone who's been on your own since you were 12, you did have to overcome some challenges. Absolutely. I mean, I started working at age 14 and I met Leon in a podiatry office that his uncle was the podiatrist and he was there studying. And that's how we met. It was very strange. I mean, it, it was a very lucky situation for me. And I fell into a wonderful family because my in-laws became my parents. How do you, well, and I'm going to ask you something. I mean, this isn't about your book. It's about partly, you know, I just think about someone who's been married as long as you have, have been. And as wonderful as it is, you know, all of life has its ups and downs. And so you've had to be tight together, you know, like connected to one another through the ups and downs. And I think about the folks who listen to the podcast, many of whom are starting ventures or are transitioning. Maybe they say, oh, I've always wanted to write a book, but, you know, dot, 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 for all the reasons. Well, I'm struck by how open and willing you are to accept the support of somebody. And people may say, well, that's obvious. It's my husband and my son. But oftentimes we can be our own worst enemies and not let people help us. What advice, I guess, I'm asking, would you give someone who may need help but won't even ask for it? I can only tell them one quick story. When I first came into the family, I was so hurt that I only thought people gave you affection if you gave something back. And it took me a while to realize that you can get affection and acceptance without strings. And that is something that people have to realize. They have to look at the intention of the person that they're dealing with. Because someone can be kind and giving and not want anything other than being kind and giving to you as a reward. And that's what I was lucky enough to experience. It took me a while to accept that because I was so hurt by, by my upbringing that I was always on guard. And then I realized that these people really didn't want anything back other than my love. That's a big lesson that sometimes we go through our entire lives without learning. Absolutely. And the other factor I think is, is to respect each other. And that is something that has to come from any, to any relationship. If you want to have a lasting relationship, if you don't have respect, you don't have anything of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one -on -one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now back to the show. How does someone earn that respect? In your, in just in your experience, I'm not asking you to speak for all of humankind, but I think it's important from your experience. I, I think that Leon and I, because don't forget, we have worked together, lived together, mm -hmm. played together, and raised our son together. And throughout that, we've always looked at each other and said, what do you think? And we've always weighed each other's opinion and come up with something that was maybe in the middle 
between if we both did not agree or we've agreed to agree. And that is the key to a lasting relationship, to respect the other person's opinion, to have respect for what the other person brings to the relationship and to honor what they give you as something that's important and to give back what you give them and for them to honor that. Thank you for that. I know in this time where we're sheltering in place and some people will be doing that longer than others, that that's been a challenge for folks who, you know, they don't have that close, like when I don't mean just physically close, but the 24 seven, the business, you know, the marriage and all of that relationship that you and Leon have. And I think being reminded of that, the respect piece that each person has something, you know, and it can be really easy to ignore that and just want my way. Absolutely. When that matters. I mean, Leon and I are really, we're really locked into the house because he's not allowed out because of me because he can't bring anything back. And I'm not allowed out because of the underlying condition. And so we've been together 24-7 throughout this Canova virus nonsense. And, you know, it's very important. We each have some time during the day that we do our own thing. You know, either he's reading or watching some fishing show and I'm writing or doing some office work. And it works out well because we do have that respect for each other. So, Zena, did you start out having those rules when you had to be in, the, you know, when we were went into the shelter in place? Did you guys have to say there? Is that kind of how you've morphed your relationship over time and your marriage to say, you know, we each have our own space and we do things and we respect that each person has their own space? It's been throughout our marriage. I mean, because we've always been together almost 24-7. And we have always just had the respect of each for each other. And we've always been able to talk through any differences. And the key, I think, to any relationship is never to go to bed mad. A, a cousin told me that on my wedding night, before the night before my marriage. She said, you know, if you want a lasting marriage, you never go to bed mad. Now, there have been some nights that Leon and I have stayed up all night. <laughs> but we've never gone advice. to bed mad. <laughs> yeah. You know, I sometimes hear young people talking, <laughs> having an argument, and they bring up something from, you know, three years ago you said. And I look at them like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so you kind of teased us a little bit that you're thinking about your next book, which is Share a little more about what's in your head about that or um, timing for it. I'm trying to find time to write it. It's been a little difficult because it's hard sometimes for me to clear my head between my office work and the Canova virus and my, you know, chemotherapy and all the things that go along with that. But I, I think I have something to say, in, in, and I want to say it in a novel form about, you know, a girl who grows up. You know, I had a very loving father who died when I was 10. And I was left with a mother that didn't like me, didn't want me, and basically took off when I was 12. And it was it was interesting to see how I developed. And I could have gone Donna's route, but instead I went a more upstanding route in life. And I think it could prove to be an interesting novel that would would really show 
the difference between Donna as a character and me as a character. Well, I do want you to talk about where people can get your book. But before we go there, would you share one of the many key messages that you hope people walk away with from your book? Yeah, I would, my my key message is that it's important to enjoy life, not let life pass you by because you have other uh, goals that are false and insignificant in reality. My, I have a website, ZenaLivingston.com, and on my website, there's a direct link to purchase the book. The book is also on Amazon. Uh, people going under my name will find it very quickly. And it's also available through Doran's Publishing, but they charge more. So So we'll put links to all of that in the notes for this episode. So folks, if you're listening and driving, hopefully by the time you hear this, you will be able to be out and about. Um, They'll be there for you. So you won't have to go looking for them. And I guess the last thing I would ask, Sina, is, is there any final thoughts you have just in general about how people can stay focused during this time? Ooh, I think that people have to find something to interest themselves. There's not enough interest in television. I find it basically to be almost a wasteland because it's just so repetitive. I think people have to actually use reading as an outlet. They can get my book and other books online so they can actually get it at a reduced cost and read it on their phone or their tablets. I think it's very important that they do that. I also think it's very important that they reach out. I have a little lady across the street who's living alone, and I call her almost every day to make sure she's all right. And I call other people. I have a a patient who was a Holocaust survivor. And I called her to make sure she was okay. And I think reaching out to other people on the telephone keeps you connected to reality. And that's a very nice thing to do because the person who's receiving the call is excited to have someone else to talk to. It is a gift of your time and also of your attention. I love people. (laughs) That's always been my, the way I've lived my life. And, you know, I, I do it without wanting anything back, but I do it because I get a warm feeling that I've done this, that I've helped somebody. And I know patients in the office always say that they want, to, they want me to come down to see them because they know that I have a connection to them. And oh. It's a wonderful thing to see when I was there and I'm not allowed to be there now, um, how the people reacted to, to me. And I, I found it very rewarding. You know, if you treat people well, they they come back and they treat you well. We have a a group of nuns at the office who come in and, you know, they have nothing. I mean, they they can't pay for an office visit. They can't pay for anything that they might need. And some of them are really sick. I mean, because our practice is one that treats very bad cases. And it's the most wonderful thing because they said to me, can we pray for you? And I said, I accept prayers from any pew. It's fine. Just go ahead and do it. Maybe it'll help. (laughs) But it's so rewarding to know that we've helped them. Yeah. I think that's sometimes the greatest gift 
you know, and it's almost like you said, it's a gift we give ourselves. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you, you can't you can't lose sight that you can't let you cannot let financial desires, security desires, to replace the desire to help people. Because when you do that, then you don't help anyone. And on that note, I'm going to say thank you again for being a guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast, Dina. And I wish you all the best. I thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.